You're listening to Well I Laughed, part one of A Silly Little Treat, The Graham Cracker. It's actually been quite a while since we've talked true business on the podcast that we've gotten on air like, <laughs> yeah, what do you actually want to do with this? You know? <laughs> do you want to keep recording? Or like, <laughs> We set into such like routines, but then like all the travel the last few weeks for both of us has been... Like, I have no memories of any of the last theme, The Happiest Place on Earth. Mm-mm. Like, it was a lot of fun. No memories of us actually recording it. So it's great that we did. <laughs> I know. I The last time we recorded, uh, I was watching the... Goodbye. Bye, I was watching the Patreon bonus content that we recorded that's p- getting posted on Wednesday. Nice. And things got out of hand. <laughs> Oh, in that recording? Yeah, not very, because that was the third one that we did, and you can tell we're both just tired. At one point, you just held Mo for, like, five minutes. Like, I kept it all in. Good. There was, I think there was, like, a couple things I took out of the episode 15, Am I the Asshole? One, but I The, like, slow descent into madness. Oh, I just left it all. Good, good. Well, that's really reassuring. I uh, really am... I mean, okay, so this is actually the theme of my, like, check-in. And this is so corny that I'm sorry. If you want to fast-forward through this at work today, I get it. <laughs> but I would describe my current emotion as, like, grateful. <laughs> because when we started this, we agreed we didn't want to be that podcast that recorded, like, three episodes. Yeah. And then one of us left, and then we, like, missed a week. And then, you know, like, yeah, all yeah. fell apart. That we were, like, committed to, like, regularly publishing and promoting and doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And this summer has seen us both at various times out of Denver and Mm -hmm. we've Managed you to keep it have up. kept this ship going. You kept our baby alive while I was overseas <laughs> and disconnected. So even when you were gone, I will say you were still reachable. It <laughs> wasn't like you would respond right away, but I would get a response probably like 24, 36 hours. It was usually like, hey, I have seen this. Yeah. I want you to know it yeah. really am as soon as possible getting to it. Um, so it's like grateful for this podcast. Um Work today was actually really nice. It was the first day we had all the students back, first day of running, mm-hmm. you know, kind of regular classes. Obviously, it was an emotional, like, labor day, right? Because you got to be the oh, most excited be person, yeah. and you're just not that yeah. way. Um, and then you want to take a breath during your playing period, but you can't because there's so much that you still have to get in motion. Right. Um, but I left work today being like, today was nice. Like, it, yeah. like... The work is miserable until you're around students. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, right. Like, yeah. this is what it's all for. Yeah. And so between the podcast, work, and then... And not to sound like the gay marriage campaigns <laughs> from, like, 2015, <laughs> but Griffin and Taylor got married this last weekend. And, like, love is love is love. It and looked I'm like, really cute. It was so cute. And it really is wild to see any of your siblings, but especially your little brother, like yeah. take that step. And there is like, I mean, he will always be my younger brother, but to see him like step in, like the best way I could describe it, I was Griffin's best man, which was really sweet. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where I'm like standing up there at the front of the church and I'm watching my brother as he watches his fiance, soon to be bride, walk down the aisle. And it's one of those moments that you're lucky to get where you're like aware 
that what's happening is a memory you're going to have forever. Mm -hmm. And I can't touch that memory anymore. Suddenly I'm weirdly emotional about that. His eyes are glassy. (laughs) (laughs) It's an audio visual. (laughs) It's an audio medium. Um, Yeah, but I made it an audio. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had to say it out loud. Um, it It really was just so so wonderful to get a chance to celebrate Mm -hmm. your little brother and also like I think I've complained about weddings a lot both on this podcast and kind of to anyone who will listen yeah this was a good one this was a really sweet one yeah there's been I've seen weddings that are like like (laughs) it's it's mostly my investment in the couple because I've been to a lot of weddings where like I'm kind of close with them like I knew them and then like their vows just don't I don't know they're like I'm like, I'm happy for them. Yeah. But it's also like, I've mentioned this before, I don't cry often at movies. And that's mm. the same thing with like life Unless events. Unless it deals with family trauma. Or dogs. Or dogs. Yep. <laughs> Those are the two stipulations. <laughs> um, but like, if it's a couple that I'm really invested in mm-hmm. and really care for, hearing their vows, the like first wedding I went to my senior year of college, it was one of my advisors and hearing them, they listened to the podcast. So like. They know who they are. Friend of the pod. No free advertising. <laughs> um, I was actually helping them with the wedding because I was I was still a senior and technically she was my boss, so she yeah. couldn't invite me. So I was like a day of event planner for her. Right. And so I got to sit in the back kind of um, and watch them read their vows. And I was like unwell. Mm. And I was like, is this how all weddings are? Because mm. I don't think I can emotionally handle this. Turns out, no. <laughs> That one was a special one. But. <laughs> no, I get that. There's plenty yeah. of them where you're like, I don't, we can be on the 18th row. Like, we don't. Uh, it's also like, I'm fine. Like, I'm happy for you. I don't right. want to diminish that, but it's not going to, like, touch me. I think there's also mm-hmm. moments, too, when you go to a wedding, even as a guest, you're like, either I'm, like, main cast and crew, <laughs> named supporting actor, mm-hmm. person eating at the table behind you in the picture. Like, those are the three buckets. And I think people are usually fairly aware as to which bucket they fall into mm-hmm. when they go to these kind of things. Yeah. I'm always happy to celebrate the people in my life. Thank you for inviting me to wed- the wedding. Sometimes I'd rather use my PTO for other things, but I really am grateful mm-hmm. that I have people who want me to be there when they have that celebration mm-hmm. and who I do want to celebrate. Like, for yeah. instance, um, kind of on that theme of like, is this how everyone, oh no, just the special <laughs> ones. Um, when I saw Lydia in her wedding dress before, no. I don't think I've actually ever told her this. No. Maybe we need to cut this. <laughs> you <laughs> let me know. Uh, <laughs> the moment I saw her in her wedding dress, like an hour before she walked down the aisle, like I was like called to the room to help deliver something because her and Jacob weren't seeing each other. And there really was a moment where like she turns around and you like see her and she's like not thinking at all about like, oh, I'm about to like blow this person away. Right? Yeah. She's like, I need a Jimmy Jones sandwich down here. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lydia, and I do, I do think that's actually the mission that I was sent for. <laughs> to feed the bride. Right, exactly. But she turns around and like looks at me, and there's just a minute where it's like, oh, this person is, this person's doing this thing right now. And that's so cool. I just got chills. Aww. I love Lydia so much. Apparently more than Griffin, so uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I've met Griffin like <laughs> twice, maybe. <laughs> he's, no, he's great. So yeah. I am, um, I really am just like full of the warm bubblies. Also, I mean, asterisks here. I ran three miles before you recorded, after work, and before a record session. 
my dream life is killing me. But uh, I ran three miles and hit my like desired pace. And so it might very well just be serotonin from the uh, run that's hitting me right yeah. now. Um, and it's still like a really nice a day. A run in gets Denver. you in the weird, it does. weird ways. It does. I feel you. Cardio. Um, I just did a cardio class at F45, which I haven't done in a while, which really showed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hate that? You're like, God, the person I'm trying to keep up with is me a month ago. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I, I still work out a lot, but I've been mostly focusing on like strength classes and so this is mm-hmm. one of the first like cardio cardio classes I've gone to and I went with my two friends Maddie and Abby and I just like the entire time I was like why am I doing this <laughs> and I don't work out with Abby that often I specifically don't do cardio with her because she's a coach at F45 so mostly right. she's coaching me and then the class that I do take with her are like solid core Pilates style classes oh so they're very God. different sorry listener real quick Maya <laughs> casually talks about her workout routine like she's mortal like the rest of us <laughs> i ran three miles and it's big enough for me to mention on our podcast if i run three miles i'm proud of that too that's Maya's a lot preparing for a war she has not disclosed <laughs> to me and is using that just as the context for whatever other challenge she's facing that day for me to work out it is the challenge I'm facing that day. But continue. I've spoken over you. So this one, no. So F45 is usually, it's high intensity interval training. So typically the cardio classes, the strength classes, it's like 20 second, 40 second, 45 second sets. Right. 60 second, like usually is the max. This one was two minute sets. Okay. At like a rower, which I'm not used to because mm. they really gear you to, to like sprinting. And I know there are people that are do, that will do like marathons on like rowing machines, but like Gross. this one, you, you typically sprint. And so when I'm used to going to a rower, sitting down or a skier or a biker or whatever, and sitting down and being like, okay, I have 20 seconds. I'll like give it my all. And that's usually like, it's exhausting, but it's fine. But when you give it your all and then you're like, oh my God, I have a minute and a half left. <laughs> and then the person next to you is just like going at like a minute pace or like a minute 45 pace and i'm like what the fuck is happening so i think i actually can relate to this a little bit and by that i mean to everyone else let me translate this into language we will understand (laughs) um so i'm specifically trying to get into a little bit more running as we get into the fall there's this thing i'm kind of excited for but don't want to talk about because i'm both like self-conscious and don't want to jinx anything speaking of which um, a three mile run is a 5k like that's not like small potatoes <laughs> sorry that's just a I theme just in episode 13 yeah. you run 5ks <laughs> anyways um uh, <laughs> i hated physical fitness as a kid because mm-hmm. i was a large kid um, before that was cool um mm-hmm. and by that i mean like now that i'm an adult it's like cool to be body yeah positive for yourself yeah. um I legitimately, within the last month, realized that running is not going as fast as you possibly can. Exactly. I I did not know that, and That's... I'm sure that was probably explained to me, but social anxiety and insecurities, I could not hear it. Now I'm on these runs, and I'm like, oh, like I'm going to get into a point down. where... Right, right. I'm like, I actually might have two speeds below this before walking, and that's... Amazing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I feel that. Yes. Because I started running on a treadmill. That's what Maya's talking about. Yes. She uh that you she need has to learn 18 how to slow rows down. below her rowing speed for the rest of us. It's like two. I got so they <laughs> for this specific thing, some of the trainers will co- come around because the the ergs, so the rower, the ski erg, and the bike have like little screens on them and it'll show mm. you how far you've gone or like what your pace is per mile. And so they'll come around and be like, oh, you should hit 
400 meters or you should hit whatever. And it's in meters because it's a European company. I think, okay. I don't know. Um, but we were at a minute. Like we had, we we're halfway through and I was at like a hundred and 70 meters or something. Mm. And Tracy, one of the trainers comes by and he, she's like, you should hit 400. And I was like, <laughs> Like, Me girl. and my class, we should be wrapping up our first paragraph. Oh, God. I was like, what? And like, there's only two people per station. So it was me and Maddie. And then Abby was doing a different workout, but she was like facing us so we could all chat. And then I missed everything. She, she was telling a story. Mm. I blacked out because I was like, I gotta hit 400. <laughs> what if I... And you always know you're in a good place when you're like, I now have to think a lot about my exercise as yeah. opposed to it just being this like natural thing mm-hmm. you're getting your body to do. You get in your head about it. There's like some that I can... I can use like meditative techniques to like get out of my body but like rowing I just oh my god truly shockingly I have something vaguely related to that um when I was learning what was called at the time like word processing in (laughs) 2000 I think 5 2006 back in Lincoln Public Schools Lincoln Nebraska Mm -hmm. shout out Scott Middle School um we were trying to be taught how to like type fast because mm-hmm. I guess we still thought that was like the most crucial computer skill I remember that. you could learn. I mean, did it's you have to, nice. Did you oh, ever have to like put the cover the old over your shoe boxes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we would put mm-hmm. the old, that's exactly where the story's yes. going. We would put the old shoe boxes over the keyboard and then you would stick your hands in it so you couldn't see it and you mm-hmm. would type. But then there is this quote computer program anxiety device yes. that we would have to log into for us. It was a little person rowing. And if you oh. could c- keystroke correctly, he would row. And if you messed up, he would stop rowing and you'd have to like get the word right. That's enough. There's also a shark. <laughs> <laughs> to really make sure it's not just like a leisurely stroll. The restaurant the lake. has a villain <laughs> and it's a gorilla <laughs> they employ. And so I just remember my little like rower being eaten by that shark constantly because I could not type fast That's enough. That's so traumatic. I type really fast now. Yeah. I like really solid words per minute score. It's trauma um, for you. Yeah, hundred percent. Turns yeah. out exposure therapy really does work. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my rowing experience. <laughs> I feel that we. I don't know if we had the rower, but I do remember we had like those games, like the typing mm-hmm. games that you had to play at school. Yeah, and that was that was traumatic. And then like a while ago, when I was looking at getting this keyboard, um, I have like a fancy keyboard for my work desk setup, and it has like different sounds when you like press the keys and there's an online simulation that you can do that simulates the sound of those keys so you can pick which which kind of switches you like Mm. because some people like the really clicky ones some people don't and so i was doing that but it also comes as like a typing test so you're like (laughs) typing on your regular computer and it's making the sounds of the keyboard that you're thinking about buying but you still have to type the words and then it gives you a score so it's still anxiety you are your own asmr (laughs) Horrible. You're like the teacher and the student. I, know, I, was, I was like, why did I do this? But So how's your weekend been? Oh, no, you did that a while ago, right? I did, Before that was you bought a while this current ago. one. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I guess, how was your weekend? It was fine. I went yeah. to a concert that became weirdly religious. Right. Yeah. And not in the cool hosier way where it's no. actually a reference to other things. Yeah. But like in the truly religious way. And like I was at this concert and I won't mention the artist, but I really, I really do like the artist and the artist, their songs were great. 
Um, the concert was great, but then randomly they were like, and I really believe in God and all this stuff and just started like leading a s mm. worship ceremony and like the screen behind him had the lyrics to a song. It was very church and chorusy, which is fine. The song was beautiful. And then he, they led us into a prayer right after and it was like, okay. Cause you know, yeah. if like there's a Muslim performer or like a Jewish performer and they do something like that, they're going to explain like, this is the cultural significance to me. I fully respect everyone else's beliefs, but like, so with this, and that still makes it beautiful. It's a little different if you get bombarded with it sure. and you don't get really any warning. Like we got maybe two sentences of warning of this artist being like, I love God. And I think he leads us through all these things. And you know it's just because it's Christianity and he's white. And most of the audience is white because we're in Denver. And yeah, it was just a whole thing. And I was inebriated. Right. <laughs> and so I was just standing in the back trying to be like, pretty music, pretty music, pretty music. Um, and it, I was trying to come at it in my head as a, from a perspective of like, this is what this artist feels about their religion and isn't that great. And right. like... Like I can feel, I can relate to this in like a way that isn't religious or I can like think about my time when I was religious and think about that feeling. And it still like impa right. was impactful, but it was like, if someone's experienced serious religious trauma, that's not cool. Well, I think, so first, and just to like make sure we continue to say this for the record, yeah. we're not opposed to no, people having religious beliefs or practicing them like there was several prayers this weekend for the wedding and mm -hmm. you know That's happily fine. part of all of them i understood that was part of it and i'm so thrilled that people can find comfort in that at times you know perhaps i have too i think no one likes to be surprised mm -hmm. you're allowed to be uncomfortable about being kind of like opted into something like that yeah. against your like you didn't sign up for that necessarily mm -hmm. and also like that experience, when you explained it to me the first time, sounds a lot like cry night at a church camp. Yeah. Something that, like, I have really uncomfortable memories of now mm -hmm. as an adult. Yes. And I'm not grateful for it. And so I don't appreciate that uh, the immediate vibe being that way. Do you want to explain what cry night is? Yeah, cry night is when you go to church camp for four days and it's the night that's the last night of the camp. The next morning you're all going to get shirts that you like sign for each other. Um, cry night is it's like the biggest day. It's the longest day. You do a bunch of like field games and stuff like that. And then as the sun sets, you get brought to like a campfire and you're like really tired and you're aware that the camp's coming to an end. And that means all these like very temporary friendships and relationships. Cause none of you grew up in the same town yeah. are like deadlined, like <laughs> best by tomorrow morning. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, um, that's when they call you and I do believe a lot of people have spiritual experiences there yeah, absolutely as an adult now I remember it feeling kind of like if you don't intentionally cry. trying to produce that response out of me as opposed to like maybe more organically leading me there in the process mm -hmm. I don't think that people had malicious intent certainly no. not what I'm accusing yeah. I just think in hindsight I was like mm. this is kind of weird as a person who works with children now I'm not entirely sure I would sequence events like that mm -hmm. and so yeah, I think you can absolutely be like, hey, this reminded me of an experience I've had, and I didn't enjoy that, especially mm -hmm. when I wasn't in the setting for that. It'd be one thing to be like, did you know they pray at church? It was like, yeah, my, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> but yeah. it was like at a concert for like, you know, a fairly like popular artist yeah. for whose religion is not part of their like Main, brand yeah, identity or exactly. things like that. 
who like it doesn't really talk about in there the songs that. you aren't expecting that none of his openers did anything like right. that so it really was just kind of jumped on me and because i was inebriated it did, i don't think it like really hit me as hard until like the next day and i was like that was really weird right especially because everyone around me i feel like 80 percent of the audience was like hell yeah we love this and i was like this mm. is so strange because if the if this were any other circumstance it would be perceived much differently right well and the uncomfortable intersection too for i think a lot of social commentary today mm-hmm. is that like sincerely held religious beliefs are exclusive yeah like if i was there with you know a boyfriend or a date i was on and then suddenly we're like at yeah. a prayer service together. It's weird. How do I feel comfortable in that kind of situation? Mm-hmm. And I respect your right to have a sincerely held religious belief. And at the same time, I'm aware that for a not small portion of America, that sincerely held religious belief has some pretty critical things to say about how I authentically move through my world. Yes. And I don't love that being a surprise. No, I don't either. Yeah, and it was, I don't know, it's just like, it, I can't imagine being someone that's experienced that kind of severe religious trauma and being literally surrounded by people that are like fully in their worship sure. time, like hands raised, eyes closed, singing along, mm. because then what that would induce a panic attack in me, absolutely. Right. And so it just, it was frustrating. And it's hard because I really do love the work that this artist produces. Sure. And I'm probably not gonna stop listening to them just because. Mm. There, this wasn't ever something I was expecting, right. but I'm not gonna like not criticize them for mm. it, I guess. But I also I, I don't want to mention their name. So you had publicly. a weird weekend. Yeah, it was it was a weird weekend. I mean, it was fine. We slept a lot, and I caught up on editing. And do you know what this reminds me a little bit? Of? Yeah, you actually had some incredible turnaround times this yeah. weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, I edited a lot. I was like, God damn it, if I don't get ahead. <laughs> So two reactions. It reminds me of a couple episodes ago when I was like, so how are you, Maya? And you were like, stressed. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> uh, so it reminds me of that one and two. Yeah. And I don't think these people listen to the podcast, but in case they do, I would like to say it now. Thank you so much for your interest. We do not need a short form video editor. We don't have any money and we don't need to add another expense. And also our video content, I really enjoy. And so with love, about every every third or fourth message we get is, hey, crazy idea. What if you sent me one video and I could show you what to do? And I absolutely respect the hustle and I respect the grind and uh, make those dreams happen. We're not your audience right now. We don't have money. We're and I, and even money. if we did, Maya's good at it. I, I'm not saying that this won't be a part of our future because I do at some point would love to offload it. <laughs> now is not the time. What are you telling? Are you breaking up with it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> breaking up with editing. No, I love the people that are like, I would love to be your short form video editor. And I, right. I was responding to a lot of those at first. And mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm just like, we're not. It's fine. <laughs> like, I so appreciate the hustle. It's one thing if you're going to be like, I love, I would love to be your video editor. And I love the content you're producing. It's another thing when you're emailing us mm-hmm. saying, your videos made me sad because <laughs> you're not doing everything you can to get the best visibility. Or I've like, tried to delete those before you see them, no, I by see the that. way. It's fine. Like, I get it. I get, I get their point. But also, I know that that's just like a scheme to get people to respond. Right. But also, like, why do you think insulting me is going to make me want to hire you? Listen, as a person who's actively dating, I have learned the really, really hard way. Nagging does not actually work out in the end. Exactly. There's so many people that are like, your short film content could be so much better. And I'm like, I know. I know. We are 
14 episodes in, my dude. <laughs> I also want to argue that should this podcast ever be either one of our full-time jobs? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You and I both do this as long as it wasn't too big of a work day. Yeah, not, right now we're like about breaking even. Right. We're getting Which is, so close. We're getting so close to breaking even, guys. Grant and I um, are going to pop a bottle of champagne. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, By December, breaking. let's use all of our surplus income to buy each other socks. <laughs> all ten dollars. I know all ten dollars of it. Um, speaking of work, yes. Um, I am so grateful that I'm a teacher because when I come home from work, I don't have pre-dinner. I have an after-school snack. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> I've started doing that just. In solidarity. Just like, this is my after school snack because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Grant is now after school. Yeah. When you <laughs> said the bell rang, I was like, mm. time for a little string cheese <laughs> and a cutie. Snack. Yes. I came home from work, had a handful of Cheez Its, more than one handful of Cheez Its. Uh, and then you can never hit have the just park. One. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm using this as the most unelegant way to pivot to the theme we have for the next three episodes, which is a silly little treat. That was fun. That was good. Hell yeah. And we're back. That was a fun little break. Um, I mentioned having a little bit of string cheese as an after school snack, and Maya just managed to have a little bit of string cheese. (laughs) What are those called? Baby bells. Baby bells. So I feel, and I think it's because they come in that little like netting bag. Yeah. Like a peasant. Mm-hmm. But, like, in a fun way, you know? They were, like, always a treat in high school and, like, elementary school because they were just expensive enough that my parents right. wouldn't get it. Right. And now they have the big bags at Costco. <laughs> so they, I eat them all the time. Um, <laughs> that's how I know I've made it. Absolutely, absolutely not the story I'm trying to queue up. So okay, I need to sorry. stay in focus. But, no, 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 no. <laughs> On the, like cosplaying as a peasant mm-hmm. it's like when i have like a little bit of cheese or if like my lunch one day is like just an orange because i'm like working outside and don't have time for all of yeah. that or and this is what gets me the most when i'm doing laundry and i haul it up on my hip yeah and I like carry it through i was like i was built for this <laughs> single mom works <laughs> I have explored getting a red wig, and I'm not sure if I can expense it on my taxes <laughs> next year. The IRS is like, but why did you need it? Exactly. Okay, well, I think this has either been five or 45 minutes of intro talk. <laughs> Too much. Always fun to find out. Yep. Let's go ahead and get into this week's theme. Uh, the next three weeks themes, actually, which is a silly little, little treat. treat. And I'm so excited for it, because I think I have... The second week in a row, managed to not tell mm-hmm. Maya, and turns out the secret is not being around her. <laughs> While drunk. <laughs> she needs to be out of town, or I need to be out of town, maybe both, and if that situation has occurred, then I, I can actually manage to keep a secret. Okay. Here is the start of this week's I'm never going to guess it. It's not going to be like last time, guys. You're actually, so it's, it's not necessarily a historical question. Okay. Okay. Before the baby food diet, the paleo diet, the South Beach diet, the Atkins diet, and even before the fat-free craze, there was one 19th century fad diet that captured the curiosity of health-conscious Americans. It had all the trappings of a modern, trendy weight loss regimen, a controversial idea, a popular book, and a dynamic guru. 
but only the followers of this diet were not looking to shed pounds. They were looking to shed something else. So Maya, let me ask you this question right now. What is the least sexy food you can think of? What absolutely not sexy at all? So many things went through my head. My first thought, just so I'm taking you down this rabbit hole with me, was eggplant because I think I heard the word sex and then just said eggplant. <laughs> and then I was like, no, Maya, incorrect. And then I thought rhubarb, but that's because I ate a lot of rhubarb in my trip to Iceland. <laughs> and Wait, did it change your life? It changed my life forever. Um, and then I thought, no, a lot of people actually like rhubarb and it is sweet, so maybe it is sexy. And then I thought celery. Okay, so a lot of vegetables. I just thought celery because of the strings and no one could, like, how do you It's highly that? fibrous. It is. It, it's good. Yeah. Yes. I mean. Okay. So you are, with love, wrong. Okay. And that the seems correct fine. answer is graham crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Pausing for any clarification needed. <laughs> That is so processed. <laughs> I was not ready for that in the 18th century. Well, here's what you need to or know. the 1800s. Graham crackers were invented intentionally As to take loss? the lust out of your system. Oh, no, 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 no. Take this the diet? lust? Yes. Oh, no. This diet doesn't care at all how much you weigh. How did s'mores become a factor? That's actually... Such a good question. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> how, did, how did this... Um, prudish snack yeah. become famous for making your hands sticky. <laughs> we might need to cut that. <laughs> Being the messiest campfire snack you could ever have. Exactly. How did it become the thing that you can never hide, much like glitter, um, <laughs> that you had recently? Well, let me tell you a little bit, Maya. It all revolved around a product that today is the stuff of childhood snacks and campfire treats. The graham cracker. Originally a bland biscuit made of unrefined flour, the graham cracker was part of a comprehensive diet and lifestyle system created by Sylvester Graham. In response, created by Tenure Tony and the Murder <laughs> Trust. The Murder Trust for when you need a bit. Ding. <laughs> a little like nice glitter thing. smile yes. <laughs> no it was invented by sylvester graham in response to what he deemed to be the greatest health scourge facing americans what sexual desire <laughs> listen i'm on two different antidepressants i haven't known a libido in the last Eight years, ten years. Well, cut out graham crackers because that's not doing anything for you either. Maybe apparently. I need more graham crackers <laughs> to supplement my antidepressants. I mean, you're supposed to take medication with food, so I'm not here. I'm not your doctor. We can call a doctor. One of my friends is a th pharmacist. One of my friends is a doctor. Oh. I she mean, doctors are pharmacists. We call her Dr. Young. We actually just call her whenever we have a weird rash. <laughs> I called my, it's my, my it's cousin's wife, which is always a cousin, which is also a cousin. Um, but but your I, cousin's married cousins? My cousin's wife. Okay. And so Who's she's my cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah okay. um, I, before I went to Iceland, I asked her for like Dramamine XXX. Mm. <laughs> Wait, 
Sorry. X, X, X. Hey, I just kind of want to be. XL. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Do you have a cure for that? I've tried graham crackers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how much deeper this hole is going to be dug, so I'm going to shut up and watch you do it. Anyway, she prescribed me this patch that goes behind my ear and about, it was great. I wasn't, I never got motion sick. I got on a lot of boats, was never motion sick. About day three though, I realized I hadn't pooped since I got to Iceland. And I was super uncomfortable. And there's a video. Dear listener, there's a video of me in a waterfall with Casey, and it's very cute, but I can't help but noticing how bloated I was because I felt so bloated that it was painful at the time. And then at some point, I I got some, like, X-lax, basically, from Casey's mom, who has, like, this constant store of meds that we might need. Didn't really help, and then Casey was like, is it maybe the the patch? (laughs) I took it off, everything was fine. That's so gross, but so good to hear. <laughs> In case you were wondering, constipation is a side effect. How did we get here? I've gotten my doctor. My doctor cousin prescribed me this drama me. My doctor XL. cousin? What is this, Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> unrelated. I went on a ski trip with my cousins and then my doctor cousin's family. Um, So my doctor cousin is my cousin's wife, right? She's black. My entire family is white, aside from me, because I'm half Japanese, but that's like my mom. So like everyone else, very white. Okay. Her entire family is black and we were all together on a cousin trip. And so we got a lot of questions. We were in Salt Lake City mm. on a ski trip. And people were like, how do you guys know each other? And we were like, we're cousins. And it became a running joke. I love that. Because people would look between us and be like, we have three white guys, two racially ambiguous white women, and then a, like five black people. <laughs> Well, it's, you know whose fault it is? Hmm. Sesame Street, who for years had that segment, one of these things is not, not like, like the, the other. other. And it was like just a dog in a funny hat and the other dog's no hat. Um, but now all of us were the It trained things. us to yeah. notice differences. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I sing that song all the time. One of these things is not like the we other. We were talking about graham crackers. We were. I don't know how we got on this tangent, um, but I really Okay, um, so Sylvester Graham was like... <laughs> For all the things wrong with America, <laughs> I guess including racism <laughs> and intermarriage of families, <laughs> Dr. Cousin. Um, the main thing, actually, hold on. Well, maybe he was onto something. Sexual desire, huge okay. issue. Simone is amazing. I love her. It's not an Is <laughs> Simone your doctor cousin? Yes. Okay. It's not an interfamily marriage. I just feel like I need to clear that up. I also want to point out, I'm sure all of the listeners were able to follow it clearly. It was I just, just to just... hear it in the moment live was so... <laughs> Rapid fire no, you're crazy. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, paragraph two. Uh, <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like any decent diet craze, Grahamism, they could have done so much better at naming it. It's just his last name, Ism. Grahamism tore through the American collective culture in just a few short years, acquired thousands of ardent followers, challenged food health and hygiene habits, incited a mob of bakers, 
and cost the job of at least one pepper-loving professor. (laughs) So who is Sylvester Graham? And later, why is he worth knowing? That's on this episode of Well, I Laughed. Stay with us. <laughs> Cut to. That's my This American Life impersonation as like Ira That's Glass. Fair. Yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm just, it could get better. I'm working on my voice work. <laughs> <laughs> because now he has a microphone and is trying to make a little side hustle. I just continue to live an expensive lifestyle with Same. an income that doesn't quite keep up. If I could find Same. someone to split my mortgage but not move in, that's the dream. Um... Anyways, before I really get into this, <laughs> I got my sources from a couple different places, uh, specifically an article on Sylvester Graham from The Atlantic Magazine Kay. that really helped out uh, Sylvester Graham's Wikipedia page, as well as a handful of other websites on Wikipedia and elsewhere that um, I don't want to quote because I don't want to give too much away quite yet. Okay. Um, Sylvester Graham was an interesting dude, and there's several websites dedicated to him, including like the History of Connecticut webpage maintained by the <laughs> Connecticut state government. Love that. There's Love a lot that. going on. Yeah. Um, so let's buckle in. Let's find out why graham crackers is the least sexy food you could eat intentionally. Um, <laughs> and what this guy, this little weirdo, was all about. This little episode of A Silly Little Treat is actually about a silly little guy. I have so <laughs> many questions. Well, let's start off with this. Sylvester Graham, who is he? His childhood, early upbringing, not super important. Here's what you do need to know. (laughs) In his early 20s, and we're talking now like, I think like 1810s, 1820s. In his early 20s, um, he heads off to the school that his father and grandfather went to. Mm -hmm. And I think he was kind of weird and no one liked him. So instead of responding to the bullying, 1820s school was like, well, you gotta go. He gets kicked out. Now, this is the first time this silly little guy actually becomes super relatable because then he has a huge meltdown and a crisis um, and kind of ends up driftless and might actually weather away and die. And then we would never oh. have schmores. <laughs> schmores? That's how my family says it. <laughs> and it makes more sense. It objectively doesn't. No, no, no. You have a, you take a bite of a s'more and someone's like, oh, like, what are you eating? What do you say? Remember, there's a s'more in your mouth. You go, s'more. There's a s'more because there's like full in there, you know? And also, s'more is short for some more. S'more is s'more. short I'm for some more. I'm not going to change. I want you to know. It's an S. So, s. Apostrophe more. Listen, if you wanted me to change, more. we should have done this before April 2023 when the pool of my personality froze over the night I hit 30. This is who I am now. Love me for it. I really thought you were going to say when the first podcast episode aired and you really well, that was committed. May 31. Yeah. Our pod day. Pod, pod B day? We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll workshop um, it. <laughs> Where am I? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so he goes through this like little crisis, and then, how did I write this down? He has a breakdown, grows sick, and then he meets a woman. He recovers. (laughs) As they so often do. He marries her, and then gets close to God. Tale as old as time. Yeah, that tracks. 
Religion leads him into the temperance movement, and that's where he's going to really find his niche. Can you refresh me on what the temperance movement is? In about two sentences, I'm hitting you with the question, so what is the temperance movement? (laughs) But I could have structured it better, that's fair. No, I'm Um, just trying to be better about not just going along with what you're saying. (laughs) I'm getting better at questioning you. Exactly. Uh, so, okay, so a religion leads him to the temperance movement, and a big thing the temperance movement is trying to focus on at the time is, like, public health. We'll get into more on that in a second. Specifically, there's a cholera outbreak happening in Europe, and the cure for cholera, or, like, the way to make sure you don't catch it, eat as much meat as you can, and then guzzle it down with whatever wine you can get your hands on. So every Sunday, I'm immune from cholera. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one last really important thing, zero vegetables. But Mm. the temperance movement is like, are we sure? That doesn't seem to be doing anything for cholera. So let's jump into it. What is the temperance movement that brought religious Sylvester Graham, who at this point has only married a woman, that's the only thing he's ever accomplished. (laughs) He's also kind of getting close to 30, a true late bloomer king. Much like, what was Margaret Sanger? A lot of people that I've researched have really weird and tough, like, first halves of their lives, and then they just catch fire in the second half. Not that it's drawing any parallels. that's on manifesting. (laughs) We published a month and a week after I turned 30. It's a parallel. So sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> so what is the True. temperance movement? The temperance movement was not a fan of alcohol and believed it was bad and you should never be drunk. Never be drunk. The temperance movement had a couple of different approaches to it. The teetotalers, which is actually now an insult for like a rule follower today. Like, oh, don't be such a teetotaler. Have you never heard that before? <laughs> no. Sometimes I worry that language never gets updated in Nebraska because I swear... I have, I have heard that growing up. Never heard that once in my life. So maybe it was just something that my like older aunts and grandparents said. Swear to God, it's like a teetotaler in my mind. As soon as I read that, I was like, oh, that's where you, that word comes from. And it means that you are like a strict rule follower, which is kind of mean because teetotalers, out of all the temperance people, seemed kind of dope. Teetotalers believed you should not drink alcohol, but that should be a personal abstention choice that you make, which is important because do you want to know one of the biggest... Uh, legislative accomplishments of the temperance movement. Hmm. Prohibition? Yes, prohibition. So not everyone in the temperance movement was cool about personal choice. (laughs) I just want to interject here and say that the Midwest is so weird (laughs) and that we need to have a Patreon episode dedicated to all of the strange phrases that Grant... He, the thing is, he doesn't know that they're strange. No, I don't even know they're weird at all. Until he brings them up and someone goes... Into like what? confidently say, and that's where teetotaler comes from. And you look at me like I just went, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Dear okay. fucking God. Okay. okay. Oh, we are hitting on a lot of things today. <laughs> Building another two hour episode in us. Sorry, y'all. Um, the temperance movement, to give it some credit, had a lot of stuff going for it. It was really kind of based around the idea that we need to improve society. And one of the things weakening society is kind of like personal moral degradation. And that sounds bad because it's usually used as a club today. But there was a lot of stuff around social justice that me might identify with today. For instance, things such as, I want to make sure I'm not quoted wrong. Um, 
it was determined to help make a better society. So there were elements of social. Oh, okay, cool. There it is. Um, <laughs> Like, for instance, they wanted to ban the smoking of tobacco around others. They uh, were adamant abolitionists of slavery and were some of the earliest advocates for women's rights. Obviously, with all movements, not a universally held belief amongst everyone, but it's one of the first organizations really kind of moving towards some of these like social justice issues of early 1800s, especially in the United States. Carving such a weird base. <laughs> yes. They're really weird. I can respect <laughs> them, I guess. <laughs> so Graham's in here and he's listening to all of these um, people talk, yeah. right? And he's like, listen, I jive with all of this. I do. I'm here for it. But I feel like we just keep addressing the symptoms and not the root of the problem, which is that Americans don't have any self-control. And we see it with how often they have sex. And that must be eliminated immediately. <laughs> Also still known as the Nebraska Public Health Education System <laughs> in America. So how is Congressman Graham? <laughs> Unelectable in about 60% of this country. <laughs> so Sylvester Graham is a Northeastern Evangelical minister during the temperance movement. Um, his followers were concerned about all sorts of stuff. He was concerned about... <laughs> Excess, specifically excess in the way of recreational sex, gluttony, materialism, and how that depravity was making Americans physically ill. In Graham's view, the correlation between sex and health was simple. The more immoral of the activity, the more bodily harm was done. He sounds like a blast. <laughs> Imagine going to a dinner party with him. <laughs> going, especially to one of our dinner parties with him. Oh, he would. Um, he might just turn to ash. The crazy right thing there. is, I do feel like I've met some people who still hold this worldview. Yeah, I've seen them on TikTok. I really, I make a point to never interact with Correct. them in real life. Well, it's always really tough too because I think that was me when I was sixteen. I think I was still figuring things mm. out, and I was like, hmm. Wanting is bad, and that means I want, thus I am bad. Um, yeah. I've worked on that. I think that's gone now. It's hard to cross the bridge from wanting to asking, mm. so uh, I'm not quick to ask for help. I once almost seriously injured my back. And remember, I have adult scoliosis. Like carrying like a 120-pound desk out of Target by myself. Because you didn't ask for help. Correct, but that would make me weak and a burden. You know, <laughs> sorry like, if that just triggered anyone. There's like, there's like people to do. I mean, not saying that I would ask for help. Oh, okay. Because I also wouldn't. <laughs> but I am going to criticize you for it. You know, there are people <laughs> that are paid to do that. Right. right? Okay, so I hammer this away a little bit. I want to make sure this is clear before we get into the second half of this, though. And that is that Graham became really popular by giving speeches about how awful America's sexual depravity was. And we have a handful of quotes. First, he believed perhaps one of the worst things you could do. Do you want to take a guess? You're right, masturbation. <laughs> Sorry, also, if that came out hot and quick to people listening. That was good. I would have never gotten there. I was thinking about a lot of things, but none of them were going to come to my mouth. According to Sylvester Graham, the inventor of the Graham Cracker, 
kinda. Quote, masturbation inflames the brain more than natural arousal and was thus dangerous, quote, resulting in insanity. Girl, what? <laughs> also, <laughs> sex more than once a month was downright pathological. <laughs> Listen, I I don't think this is fair to say about a lot of people, especially in your own life, but this person lived like 190 years ago, so I think, right, is that that math? Yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah. I think I can ask this question now. I think enough time has passed. What was that marriage like? <laughs> she was on antidepressants like me. <laughs> He was trying to cope. Right, like every couple, every relationship, the dynamic is unique and beautiful. But it's like, <laughs> it's like she nursed him back to health and he was like, hey, I think I've regained my strength. She was like, that's Ooh. a sin. Don't, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Bye. And I only asked that because when I was a little closeted gay teen in Nebraska, you did before the I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of inputs into that, not just me. <laughs> but when I was a little gay teen in Nebraska and wasn't quite yet ready to admit I was a little gay teen, in my mind, and I know how silly this sounds now, I want you to know. <laughs> it's funny now. I was a child. It is funny now. <laughs> I was a child. I legitimately thought, oh, I don't have to tell anyone. And then I'll just get like really religious and only have to do it with a woman on our anniversary. And that's enough of a cover story. Listen. So I wonder what Mrs. Graham, I wonder what her personal thoughts were. Either <laughs> she's the one that implanted it in him because secretly she was gay. Right. Or, or, or it was him. He was such an overachiever in school that when he got kicked out, he had a total mental breakdown. Yeah, that's pretty gay. <laughs> <laughs> Emotions? <laughs> gay. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Absolutely, really strong arguments, I think, being made. And if, yeah. even if they aren't strong, speculation is so fun. Especially when they died so long ago. Right. And also, when they think masturbation makes you insane, and if you want to have sex more than once a month, you are, quote, downright pathological. That's such a such a specific statistic. I know. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? As soon as I read it, the thought that went through my head, Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development, those gays are so flamboyant, it makes me want to <laughs> set myself on fire. <laughs> I need to watch Arrested Development it's again. So <laughs> okay, so also to kind of justify, really well-timed by me, don't know how I managed to get this exact quote right Love here. Um... <laughs> To add some like maybe more modern contemporary context to all of this, mm-hmm. Dr. Ruth Clifford Engs, author of Clean Living Movements, American Cycles of Health Reform, said this about Graham. She's a more modern yeah. person. Quote, Graham was an extremist. There were other popular health reforms at the time, but sexual urges was his particular thing. This is more about Graham than anybody else. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, when it's like, okay, we've now made maybe a few too many jokes about this. It's like me dying alone. It's like, how much are you thinking about this? Yeah, like, (laughs) like you make one too many jokes about being sad, and Mm. and then your friend is like... Are you okay? Well, and you know, like, the teacher education point of view on all of this, right? Mm -mm. You kind of got to keep an eye out on the most homophobic kid in class, because it's like, hey. super fair. I can't say this to you, because that's, like, really cruel to do to a child. But 
it's weird that this is so much on your radar. Like mm-hmm. I get a joke or two, but no one else seems to be circling it quite the way you are. And obviously not all bullies are gay. I mean, all gays are bullies, but like, you know, it's That's not. That's so true. Not a road. I have so many gay friends and they're all mean. I know. It's why we're so mean to Tyler collectively. We have no reason to not be. He's mean to us, <laughs> ma'am. Was that a reveal that Tyler is a homosexual or do you think people probably picked it up on listening clues? I have no idea. <laughs> It feels nice to really kind of be back in the studio, a.k.a. your living room, yeah. and doing this. Kind of feels like one of these classic videos where it's like, let's just tee off. <laughs> you know what really gets my gears? Okay, so... He did just post a video of him running into the ocean in a Speedo. So, like, I don't think he's hiding it. He did look... Uh... Okay, it's I'm going to say it, and we can decide if we want to cut this later. Yeah. Just from the specific way he started that run, like his stance... Mm-hmm. Bigfoot vibes, right? Mm. You know that like infamous mm. Bigfoot video of him being yeah, like just... cut? That is how he like kind of started that video, or at least where he chose to like cut it in. And he has really long hair right now. And he it's does. not a long video. He has a really long hair. I'm sure that video is doing it for people who were into Tyler. I saw that and was like, are you about to find a lost hiker in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> what was that, episode five? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was episode five. We need to be better at memorizing this. We have yet to hit 20. Okay. I know. (laughs) One more thing before we get into like another fun little fact about uh, Sylvester Graham. For those of you who heard his position on masturbation and were like, that's accurate. Planned Parenthood would like to just mention this real quick. A.K.A. Margaret Sanger. And but also not, but also yeah, but also not, but also in this time. They, oh no no no! Oh great point. No, not at all. No modern day Planned Parenthood. Modern. Has this also, to that say. wasn't until like late 1800s. Right. Was it? Okay, cool. Modern Planned Parenthood has this to say: "Quote, masturbation can actually be really good for your health, both mentally and physically, and it's also pretty much the. Si- I don't know why Planned Parenthood's using the word pretty much, but they are, and it's also <laughs> pretty much the safest sex out there." There is no risk of pregnancy or getting an STI. They make a fair point. Yes. So if this is Graham's big issue, what did he think was going to solve it? Not the Graham cracker. He believed the solution to all of this, vegetarianism. (laughs) What? Because really, Sylvester Graham, his namesake is the Graham cracker, but he is largely considered the father of of American vegetarianism. What the fuck? <laughs> I can never be a vegetarian now. <laughs> what the hell? And so one of the websites that I used was like, the history of vegetarianism in America was like the website. I also, I need to say this right now. Mental health crisis. Gay rumors. Turns to vegetarianism to figure it out. This is me in 2021. I was vegan for nine months. <laughs> in response to, say it with me, a, a mental, mental health crisis. crisis. <laughs> See, you we know say it together, it's less of a crisis. Oh, was it? Tyler Pritchard. Our friend Tyler. <laughs> Bigfoot Tyler. The invisible third member of this podcast. We get so much fan mail about people who love us, and then also an equal amount of fan mail of people who are concerned Learned about Tyler. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> who are concerned about Tyler and or concerned about right. our obsession with Tyler. So for those of you who are like now so fully lost, but yet still somehow listening, one, thank you for being a true fan. Two, let me catch you up. 
trigger warning. The following part of this podcast discusses in a lighthearted manner the restrictive diet culture that Graham created in the 1800s. And then around the one hour and 20 minute mark, Grant and I have a more deep discussion about eating disorders and dieting culture in today's society, as well as our experiences with them. Sylvester Graham born in the early 1800s, has a huge mental health crisis, gets renewed, is concerned about public health, and by that he means thinks Americans are way too horny, um, invents a graham cracker to help decrease sexual urges, but that's not doing enough, and so he said, you know what, actually, vegetarianism. That is the way to go. Do you, are you gonna talk about how the graham cracker is supposed to decrease our lust? Uh, yes, a little okay. bit, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus. And it's actually, it's like, so. So many questions. He's the father of vegetarianism in America. And this kind of comes from that website. Quote, Graham is considered to be one of the fathers of the early American vegetarian movement. Also, sorry for like yet another pause, just real quick. Obviously, vegetarian diet, diets as old as humans eating food. Yes. And there's all sorts of practices yeah. all over the world. Some of it spiritual, like in India, yeah. like all sorts of things. I'm not mad about it at right. all. I am mad about <laughs> this particular bigot <laughs> promoting it. He's also, I just want to point out, he's not the first guy to be like, what if we only ate vegetables? That was not an OG idea. True. He just kind of made it health craze. <laughs> he just mainstreamed it in front of Americans. Um, quote, it was Graham's particular notion that Americans could shield themselves from debilitating stimulation and find salvation through clean living and healthy foods. Basically, what? Sylvester Graham was the first person to be like, seed oil is bad for you. Like, you should cut out all... Like, he was basically America's first food celebrity. He was Gwyneth Paltrow 190 years ago. This story is actually so crazy. I don't know who would be more mad about that, Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> or Sylvester Graham. Graham. Do you know who's actually really happy about it, though? His wife. Yeah. <laughs> I... Is it because, like, he doesn't, he, like, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve weren't supposed to eat any meat? That's so good. No, not at all. His religion, Are you serious? His religion's not that way at all. No. It's actually, you're, sorry, and also, this is, like, maybe a little bit of a trigger warning. For those of you who also lived through, like, diet crazes of the, like, early to mid-2000s, like you're going to yeah. hear something that you're going to hear that you heard a lot at the time. We're getting to there. I also want to say this right now when you're like, what, what is the thread of the story? So I had heard offhandedly at a party once <laughs> that graham crackers were made to decrease sexual urges. And Thought it was crazy, Googled idea. it, got like one sentence confirming it, and I was like, cool. And then when I had to like develop a theme, I was like, I bet that story's weird. Let's do a silly little yeah. treat. Did enough research, was like, oh, this story's huge. I'm about to blow this case wide open. <laughs> Cut to black and white, <laughs> and he's wearing a fedora, <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Exactly. <laughs> It's a rainy night in Denver. <laughs> Guy noir. Exactly. <laughs> and so it was just like, honestly, this entire episode is like Sylvester Graham, weirdly relevant today. Crazy dude. Insane history. Yeah. Um, he believed this is <laughs> so this is the part that you've like maybe heard of before. In the early 1800s, Americans are moving off the farms and into mm -hmm. major cities. And he believes a major issue with that is that we are continuing to eat the like 
peasant field workers diets that we were doing before and that now that we live in cities and are not performing the same kind of work we do not need to be eating so much heavy meats and things like that he also believes in addition to all of that stuff that when we were making bread at home it was like whole grain and good for us but now that we live in the cities and we're eating manufactured bread it is really bad for us so remind me again what the ingredients are to graham crackers (laughs) well so much like all food celebrities specifically food celebrities that encourage a restriction diet they're he, wrong? He had his own flower. Of course he did. I just So we're going to get a little bit more into this, but I just want to point out everything I said to you is things I remember hearing in like 2005, 2006. Americans eat too many meat and potatoes today. Bread is poison, right? Like we need to like cut out all of this stuff from our life. That is a thought that has been in American food culture for now almost 200 years. And do you know what's happened over the last 200 years? American life expectancies have nearly tripled. And so I'm not here to tell anyone how to live or eat their or eat or I'm not a health expert is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But the more I researched into this story and the more I got to know more about Sylvester Graham, the fact that he thought graham crackers could like cure your sexual depravity. Incorrect. Was Yes, but also like what ended up being kind of one of the least scary things about him because of how common a lot of the stuff is still today. The Graham diet consisted of, quote, simply prepared bland foods with lots of whole grains, mostly fruits and vegetables. No spices, no meats, no alcohol or tobacco, even pepper was banned. So this is where all of the like stereotypes of white people not <laughs> being he able to deal with white spice food culture. Yes, <laughs> a little bit. He was like, we need to cut out all this stuff. I'm sorry, what? We need to eat as clean and as pure as possible. Spices now, are <sighs> spices. Here's the thing, Maya. If you want spice in your life. You're a sexually depraved freak of nature. You should be as in control of your emotions as possible. And salt is a gateway drug to a lack of self-control. I've been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, (laughs) and attention deficit disorder. I'm sorry. I don't think salt is going to be the one that's taking me over the cliff here. Basically, what Graham said is if you ever eat something and you enjoy it, it risks your own self-control and thus must be eliminated. So So, he's really saying you can't enjoy anything, like limit the amount of dopamine, serotonin coming into your brain so that you can live like a fully like emotionless life correct and now that we've reached this point now i get to like turn the page a little bit and it's like uh sylvester graham redemption arc question mark so he has a lot of both crazy ancient and in a weird way contemporary povs on food but he also has some like decent points elsewhere in his theories so he did have some good ideas crazy stuff like, you should bathe regularly. That <laughs> fresh air and sunlight are important to your health. 
that clean drinking water was important and that you should wear comfortable, breathable clothing and strive to exercise a little bit every day. <laughs> and it's always that. It's like the most understandable and reasonable stuff sandwiched between. And if you have pepper, you're going to freak out. <laughs> If you have pepper, keep them away from the women. This is how I think you felt during the Unabomber episode when I read the first item of his manifesto. Why do I agree with some of his points? And here's the thing. Our friend who's a vegetarian doesn't meet all of these restrictions. <laughs> and so basically any hippie who's like, I don't shower because it's bad for the planet. But the person who invented your diet in America thinks you're unhealthy. He was nuts, but like take it with a grain of and salt. And also existed during the time when bloodletting was a thing. Right. So oh, like, oh, I can't wait to tell you about how this man died. Here's the thing: you think you got it right, and you kind of did, but it's so much crazier. Listener, stay with us. Um, I'm so happy <laughs> I just mentioned that fully off the cuff. I love weird old tiny. <laughs> Traditions that made no sense in today's culture. Oh, and this one, this one actually, here's the thing. This one took the cake, and I Googled it, and I was almost afraid to continue to Google it and learn. Yeah. I learned surface-level stuff about it, moved on, did not want to know more. That's fair. That's how I am about most things, even kind of relating to eating disorders. I'm like, great, that's awesome. That's a fair. Moving on. Fair read, fair read. (laughs) Um, So, Graham's weird manifesto was hugely popular. Graham supporters called Gramites, who believed in Gramism, again, who was on Gramites and Gramism? They loved his stuff and claimed it cured everything from depression and dizziness to all sorts of other ailments. Can confirm not eating salt does not cure depression. Yeah, I also would say, uh, but like showering regularly can help help treat with that a little bit just like to like routines and stuff and also um dizziness yeah one of his big things was clean drinking water (laughs) basic human right it is almost literally the definition of one of my favorite sayings a broken clock is still right twice a day that's a good isn't that so because everyone gets it and they're like yeah (laughs) anyways loved his stuff um he kept going on he admitted that the diet was difficult but that it was worth it one student even wrote this and it's funny because it sounds like the title of a youtube video today but from like kind of someone on the fringes one student in the 1830s wrote quote wrote an essay titled a defense of graham's system of living or remarks on diet and regimen dedicated to the rising generation he went with like two titles and uh I'm sorry, endowment to the same one what the hell <laughs> Right. Does that mean? I don't know, but just that he had like a huge follower who was pretty sure about the diet, less sure about the title of his article. If someone writes anything with a title that intense about us, that's how we know we've made it. If you're using or in a title, honey boo, go back to the drawing board. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true, though. Yes. It's like I hear it and I love it and I get it. Pick a lane. Um, so of all the crazy stuff that he did, and this is now kind of getting back to cracker territory, Graham's main target was bread. He hated white bread. Admittedly, 
he wasn't maybe necessarily super wrong about manufactured white bread because there is no regulation over yeah. mass-produced food at the time. And white bread is being intentionally given additives to make it look white. And that includes, I have the list here, um, clay, copper, and chalk uh, that was intentionally put into it to make Cut it whiter. The 1800s. I know. <laughs> what the They're hell? like, try our new cocaine bread. It <laughs> really puts a skip in your step in the morning. <laughs> try our new Coca-Cola. Exactly. <laughs> You've had regular bread. What about bits of methamphetamines <laughs> in it? <laughs> now with sunflower seeds. <laughs> so perhaps... Um, not surprisingly, Graham thought bakeries were destroying America. In Graham's eyes, bakeries were the tobacco industry of the 1830s. And then also, maybe not a huge shock, bakeries didn't really love Sylvester Graham. Shocker. Which is so funny because I feel like today bakeries are like one of the, the staples of like European culture. Yeah. Also, Which is so funny. what's super funny is that Graham Cracker is produced by the National Biscuit Company. Mm. They took his name. <laughs> I love that for them. Please appreciate this moment in my notes. Clearly something I meant to circle back to and didn't. Just, it's dash, dash. Gwyneth Paltrow broke down and ate bread during the pandemic. Dash, dash. <laughs> it's a recent news article. She just makes me so angry. <laughs> I want to love her so bad. Um, I really am sorry if today's episode has hit on a couple people who have had to work through um, eating disorders. I'm sorry if it's been triggering. Hopefully our tone has shown that like we love and support you. That whole thing is madness making mm -hmm. and like truly love yourself. Um, <laughs> because here's what happens to people who talk about this kind of stuff. This is a really fun segue. Graham's zeal literally incited violence. Um, he was publicly beaten in 1834 for attempting to lecture women on the virtues of chastity. Mm, I would have also beaten him. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know who did? Bakers and butchers the <laughs> next year. <laughs> he quite literally had beef with like so many people. Beef? That was really good, right? I am proud of that. <laughs> um, so, how did he stay relevant? And how did he manage to stay funded? What was going on? He sold his own flour. He came up with his own way of like processing flour. He sold his own flour and several male only health retreats were created to follow his diet and lifestyle. Only men need to be healthy. Women just need to lock up their chastity belts. I feel like I've seen this episode on Shark Tank. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this episode in everything before mm, about yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Men, we have a highly tailored solution. Women, be better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need every single thing we have ever yes, talked about. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, Mike, all influencers, and also, why are all influencers like this, where they're like, hey, thanks all so much for listening to me. If you really want to live this lifestyle, you got to buy my product and live my lifestyle and come to my lectures, which leads me to another fun part of my notes. Maya, are we the problem? No, our merch is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was going 
gonna say there's a lot of parallels here. <laughs> I literally put, are we the problem? I don't think so, because none of us are like, neither one of us have ever been like, listen to us. In fact, after the NDA video, we had to be like, don't. Yeah, please don't. Listen to us. <laughs> and to both of our employers, that was a joke. <laughs> I got hired eight years ago. I promise you it was a joke. And um, I had no employment history that wasn't an internship. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So um, <laughs> we're kind of getting out to the end of his life and we're going to get into the post credits, which is also always fun. Um, kind of the biggest zeal for everything is he got Oberlin College to introduce his diet into their dining hall, which literally really, really upset the students and led to one professor being fired when he secretly had pepper and would pepper his food. God forbid. I know. God forbid. He died in 1851. But how did he die is a great question. Graham or the professor? Oh, I don't know about the professor. They didn't even name him in the article. Okay, so Graham. Graham died in 1851, which I think at the time he said he was 57, so he was born in like the very, very late 1700s, like 1790s. So he wasn't that old when he died? No, like maybe 57. By today's standards, at least. Uh, Also, not super old for a person who was convinced he'd figured out how to live a really long time. (laughs) Interesting. That's Um, crazy. So he died in 1851. After complications from a heroin enema. What's an enema? It's when you put things into your body through the southern orifice of your body. You thought he was just letting out a little blood like we've all accepted as normal from the time. He was feeling a little sick. And so they gave him a heroin enema. That's maybe the, what a horrible day (laughs) to have ears. But uh, (laughs) after the heroin enema, shockingly doesn't work. And actually really damages his health. His doctor, who's now just pulling out greatest hits. Do you know what his doctor prescribes to him? Meat and liquor. (laughs) (laughs) Which he takes... And then immediately regrets, and then immediately dies. <laughs> so it went heroin, liquor, meat, regret, death. If I if my death can't be summed up in one sentence just like that, I don't want it. His death was actually oh, kind of, in a way, God. so like hypocritical and I think kind of hilarious and kind of strange. And also, the fact that he died so early is his death almost single-handedly disproved his way of life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy because here is how he was convinced he would be remembered. He was convinced he would be redeemed in death. He predicted that his home in Northampton, Massachusetts would become a national shrine. It now houses Sylvester's Restaurant, which appropriately offers a wide range of homemade breads, which they use to sell hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) I need 
to go there because that place is definitely fucking haunted. 100%, right? Like also so fun. <laughs> so good. That'd be worth being haunted. This is the epitome of like a rabbit hole that just kept giving. Okay. I want a hamburger and a beer. What's so funny is that this article said this, and it's what brought me to Sylvester. The only real lasting notoriety Graham received was through the cracker that now bears his name, which is, of course, mass-produced, which he hated, (laughs) by a national bakery, which he hated, which involves so many ingredients he did not allow in his diet, he would not recognize it today. Basically, you know how Graham crackers crumble instantly? That's Sylvester Graham. The part that we like, he hated. (laughs) The, the firm thing that can squish the marshmallow. <laughs> you know how you bite into it immediately and suddenly it's lost all structure? That was his doing. That, he believed, would give you salvation. Ooh. There's a couple other things that he um, maybe is like connected to. For instance, strangely enough, Graham's biggest legacy might not be what he produced, but what one of his followers produced. His follower, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, oh, no. who took Graham's principles and created something he termed granola. <laughs> <laughs> Graham helped create granola um, because of his beliefs. And then Dr. Sylvester Kellogg, sorry, not Dr. Sylvester Kellogg, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, after, <laughs> after inventing granola, would then go off and create cornflakes, cornflakes, which was then the initial product that launched the American cereal movement. Oh my God. Yet another food, Sylvester Graham would have hated. <laughs> He's connected to so much stuff he despised. That's karma. <laughs> Literally so booze and meat out of his home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really ironic for a man who's just so weird. That makes me so mm-hmm. inordinately happy. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of now take our like classic aerial view of this topic, which is nuts. Nuts. Like so crazy. Sylvester Graham is maybe one of America's first true food fads who promotes a restriction diet and this idea of like there's pure foods and there's impure foods. Now, in Sylvester Graham's credit, the bread had clay in it, so he wasn't necessarily off. But today, that is actually something we see a lot of. And very recently, there is, um, since in 1997, a term was introduced for this specific kind of worldview, orthorexia nervosa, which is described as a proposed eating disorder characterized by an excessive preoccupation with eating healthy food. The term was coined in 1997 by American physician Stephen Bartman, medical doctor. He suggested that some people's dietary restrictions, which were intended to promote health, may paradoxically lead to unhealthy consequences like social anxiety, social isolation, and the loss of the ability to eat in a natural, intuitive manner. Quote, in 2009, Ursula Philpot, P-H-I-L-P-O-T, chair of the British Dietic 
Dietetic, there's another T, (laughs) chair of the British Dietetic Association and senior lecturer at Leeds Metropolitan University, described uh, orthorexia nervosa as being, quote, solely concerned with the quality of the food they put in their bodies, refining and restricting their diets according to their personal understandings of which foods are truly pure. This differs from other eating disorders, which focuses on the quantity of food eaten. Okay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun to see you kind of work through and live and process and experience what I felt when I was reading this and researching this. What the? This silly little treat. Actual <laughs> hell. I, oh man, how can you be right on some things and just so, so, so wrong Right. on everything else? Well, I think what's really interesting is how universal, I don't know if this is a human thing or if this is specific to Americans, but I think all of us have that friend or handful of friends who specifically have stopped eating like one or two foods. Yes. And I don't mean like my body rejects lactose like, yeah. and I must not eat lactose. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not talking about like gluten makes me have a negative experience, but I'm talking about people who are like, well, you know how they harvest blueberries. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm not part of the blueberry conspiracy. Right? <laughs> I'm going to drink the water that comes out of the city tap. I'm yeah. going to wash the vegetables that I get from the store. And then I'm going to cook with them. And sure, there might be like a gradient of things, but I just, do not have the emotional energy to believe that everything around me that is consumable is poison. Like, I'm a pessimist. Don't get me wrong. And so I'm, like, so skeptical of people, Mm. but I genuinely want to believe that there's, like, okay things in the world, and I can't... I have a really hard time believing conspiracies like that. I hate restrictive diets. Mm Mm-hmm stupid yeah i worked with a nutritionist for a little while and like really worked on like what a good carb versus a bad carb is what a good fat is versus a bad fat because there is truth in like the science of like what's gonna treat your body well what's easy for your body to process versus what's hard for your body to process And that's so lost on so many people. They just assume anything Mm. that's a carb is going to be bad. Anything that's a fat is going to be bad. And therefore, I shouldn't eat those things. And that's so frustrating, especially when someone like that says this is going to cure your lust and therefore make you a better person and better in the eyes of God. Right. And I feel like there was more that I wanted to say that I lost track of in that um, segue. But no, I mean it's. I mean, sorry to kind of hit everyone with kind of these big existential discussions here at the end, but food does not have a moral connection to it. We need yes. to detach that because as a person who spent a lot of time having really negative and complicated relationships with like the food that I craved and the food that I ate. Um, It took like a lot of time to like work through that. Mm -hmm. I'm working now at eating when I'm hungry Mm -hmm. and eating meals that make my body feel Feel good. good. And part of my body is the emotional reaction I'm Mm -hmm. having to it as well. And 
I'm trying to detach how I eat and what I eat to what I'm physically capable of doing. Yeah. I have skied down mountains on full stomachs and I have struggled to jog a mile when I've only had coffee that morning. I'm trying to detach what I can do from what I've eaten. And I Mm -hmm. saw this TikTok and I'm sorry if this is going to mess you up, but it messed me up. And it's also something that I didn't couch in. You deserve to eat food today Mm -hmm. regardless of what you ate yesterday. Mm -hmm. What you ate yesterday does not then change what your body wants and needs today. Mm -hmm. And so Sylvester Graham, Gwyneth Paltrow, and any of these other like food trend lifestyle people who are like, you are broken, I can fix you. And fixing you means teaching you how to restrict yourself either in a dietary sense or in Sylvester Graham's sense, a sexual way, that I have an issue with. I have been lectured at what I should be doing morally for 30 years, Mm -hmm. and none of the advice has ever made me feel better about who I am. Yeah. Do you know what I want? I want a s'more, I will be calling it that, with two pieces of Hershey's (laughs) chocolate and a melted kind of burnt marshmallow, and I know the singed burnt aspects of the marshmallow is not great for me. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And when I then hike the next day, and even if I don't, I deserve lunch on my way out of town. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's just how, that's what we need to be. As I Mm -hmm. tell my own students in my class, you need to be on your own side. Mm-hmm. Cause you're the only person who's going to be through everything you experience. So stop beating yourself up about food. If you have seven almonds at your desk right now, get seven more at least. Enjoy yourself. Especially if they're almonds. I Jesus know. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Not get a cashew. Correct. If yeah. being lectured at morally made me a better person. I would be at this point. Yeah, you deserve food regardless of what exercise you're doing or going to do or what you've eaten previously. And if you just enjoy food for the sake of food, that's fine too. And you deserve that too. And you shouldn't feel guilty about eating anything. And if you have a comfort food and you're having a shitty day, don't feel like you need to make up for that. I saw a TikTok recently that actually made me incredibly angry um, because I've, I've like, I'm very health conscious. I work out a lot. I try and eat intuitively. I've worked with a nutritionist. I've counted my macros and I have verged on eating disorder like level where I've considered things like bulimia and that kind of thing. And so I totally, I, I can't say I understand where people with those kinds of eating disorders come from, but I can understand the mentality that can lead up to it. And oh, the TikTok that I saw was this guy who ate a cookie from Crumble Mm. And he knew the calories of that cookie and said, I'm going to, he ate it and then waited like an hour and then said, I'm going to run until I burn off that number of calories. Mm. And then after he ran that number of however many miles it was, he was like, was it worth it? And like, don't post that shit on social media. That's so triggering. so damaging to so many people. And like, yes, it's, it can be. It can be educational for some aspects, but you have to know, especially with a platform, you have to know that most people on social media struggle with comparison to other people. Mm -hmm. And you have to know that it's gonna be damaging to so many people. And so if, dear listener, you're struggling with that kind of thing, I don't know, just eat what you want. (laughs) I don't wanna say don't because it's so hard. It's a hard mentality to break, but like- I think what we are both, getting to the edge of is that Maya and I, very different body types, 
I think have both done a lot of work to be happy mm-hmm. with the kind of people that we are. And so if these are things that you've experienced, just like in community, like we're there with yeah. you, we're there for the struggle. DM if me. shame worked, everyone would love high school gym class and almost no one does. And True. the revolution of my adulthood years for real mm-hmm. has been asking not how can physical fitness make me look, but for what activities do I want to be able to physically do? Exactly. And that has brought me so much more joy and happiness. Yeah. I might be the biggest guy on the slope, but I'm skiing. Yeah. That's... And like my own self-worth is detached from whatever that perception is. And my ability to be loved and valued and appreciated mm-hmm. of this big, beautiful life attached is detached from that yeah. too. That perhaps the only person who really has a problem with how I look is me. It's going to be you, And yeah. that's... I mean, that's the work for all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to eat what you want to eat, if you do that. If you want to get a pull-up or a push-up for the first time, do that. Just know that if... I think my biggest struggle right now, especially being on Adderall and working out a lot, is remembering to eat before I work out. Mm. And that's like a whole different fucking genre of issues. <laughs> um, but focus on the things that you want to do, not the things that you want to avoid. Yeah. You know? Can I also say... This is feeling, again, back to my like theme of gratitude from like three hours ago. I don't know how long this has been. I enter a time <laughs> hole every time we start recording. I know, <laughs> but it feels like we're back to like those very early episodes mm-hmm. when no one was listening. Yeah. And you and I just got really honest for really a little bit. Deep for a second. Yeah, because it was like, who's gonna hear this except the people we trust the most? Yeah. And I'm it's nice to be back here. I don't know if we're gonna do it every time. Yeah. But I've appreciated it. I just wanna um, like cause Everyone has insecurities, right? And I, I want to be open and honest about mine. I did a lot of work with like mental health in college, and that's like a big thing for me is communication, because especially mental health or destigmatizing the issues that you're like sensitive about, right? And so, if you have any issues or if you need someone to talk to, and you don't have anyone directly in your favorites list on your contacts, mm. feel free to DM us. Yeah, we're here. We've gotten a couple of really sweet messages oh my God. about people who are like, hey, I'm in a new city or mm-hmm. I'm going through a lot of mm-hmm. changes or like my Wednesdays, I don't really interact with people. And it's nice to like tune into you guys and hear you talk. Like the foundation of this is friendship, which I think I joked about <laughs> the other week. And maybe we can now use this to um, pivot a little bit into just ending announcements. The merch sale is done by the time this mm-hmm. uh, publishes truly floored. The fact that people have enjoyed this enough to want to wear us, that's so, that really is truly insane. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a Discord that's fun, and uh, I always update it in like a frenzy, and then four days will pass, and I go, (gasps) I need to respond. (laughs) Same. (laughs) And if you join our Discord, uh, you also then get a personal message from me, and we're continuing to try to find ways that add to your life and make it a little bit more flair. I am specifically talking about stickers, but all of that he is. You really to come. want some stickers. I, I love a Nalgene full of stickers. <laughs> and a Nalgene full of stickers of Maya and I's quotes. Grant's I mean, quotes. shocks no one <laughs> that that's my ego, you know? Um, there are several moments where I laughed. I don't know if we laughed in the last 10, 15 minutes, but it I It got love this serious space. for a little bit, but I feel good about what I said. <laughs> I do so too. that's fine. Um, well, I laughed. Yeah. I laughed too. I was also shocked. Yeah. And um, appalled. 
It's funny now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, social media is well I laughed on like everything. Yes. And then if you want to email us, well I have pod at gmail.com. And if you want some bonus content, go to our Patreon, which right. is if well you I want laugh more podcast. Of us, we have more to offer. Crazy. And tune in next week when Maya shares her story and I don't have to do I'm any very work. excited because it's nothing like this. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> I, are, I researched like half of it already. I'm super excited. All right. Okay. Until then. Bye. bye. Bye.